you don't have to look around very far to notice that we have a lot of problems in our world. Sure. And it's even harder to name them, much less solve them. But I firmly believe that the answers are trapped inside of people like you and like your listeners. And that when you simply tell your story, what you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've developed, what processes you've created, that you become the source of two things that people can't live without. And those two things are hope and help. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Slow Smoke Business Show. I'm your host, Jared Morgan. Excited to be here. I got the blue glove on. You know, it's going to be something delicious when we've got the blue glove on. Today, we're talking to my new friend, Nancy Erickson, and she is known as the book professor, the great and powerful book professor. Welcome, Nancy. (laughs) Thanks, Jared. I appreciate being here, and you're already making me hungry. Yeah. So, well, that's the idea, right? Uh, We're trying to make people hungry and motivated. I just made that up on the spot, but it sounds good. Uh, Today, we're going to be doing some chicken skewers, right? That's some easy stuff to do. Trying to behave. Not always, it's not always got to be red meat on the show. Um, I got the glove on because it's a little easier to put them on the grill when I have, uh, if I can just bare hand them like this. So got two sets here. The, The one on my right, these are orange chicken glaze with some jalapenos on those bad boys and then we just got some basic like chicken skewers with some veggies and some onions uh that i seasoned up with just a basic barbecue seasoning so let me get these things what do you think nancy i think they look fantastic they'll be ready by lunch right Uh, yeah i hope they may be ready before the show's over Uh, ah so the book professor how did you become a book expert Well, there's a story behind that. Are you ready for the story? I'm always ready for the story. (laughs) Because my, I would say sideways. Um, My original career was in high tech and I was a systems engineer for IBM. And then I worked for Oracle Corporation selling high-end software. And about 17 years ago, my father was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And so obviously that's kind of a life changing event. Right. So I, I knew we knew he'd only have about seven months to live. So I went down to be with my folks for that amount of time and help them through that. And a little bit afterward with my mom, after my dad passed away. And then when I came home, I was like, oh my gosh, I quit my job. <laughs> what am I going to do now? <laughs> and Uh, Life has such a wonderful way of unfolding, and you have all these little opportunities to reinvent yourself. And I had actually always wanted to be a writer. And I had written a lot of stuff when I was younger, and I'd had a few things published. And so I thought, I'm going to bone up on those writing skills. So I went back to school, and I got a master's degree in writing, a master's of fine arts. And then that when I graduated, the university where I graduated from asked me to join the faculty to teach, which is maybe a little advantage of being an older student. You know, you have a little bit more maturity. And and so I did that. So I started teaching writing. And at the same time, I started my nonfiction publishing house. I wanted to publish nonfiction books. And not just like any kind of nonfiction. It was a 
the type of nonfiction that, where it would actually either the the books would either save lives, change lives, or transform society. Mm. So that was, um, you know, it was a learning curve. It's like, you know, just like anything else, you have to learn all what's involved in publishing. And publishing is a really old industry. So there's a lot of conventions that you need to adhere to and such as that. But the first book, I, I had a couple of like hits right out the shoots. The first book that we published wow. was was written by a Holocaust survivor Whoa. who had gone to school with Anne Frank. And we ended up doing that book release in Amsterdam at their school, which oh, wow. was pretty amazing. I mean, wow. the, I know, isn't it? I mean, I was like, I was there pinching myself. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? You know? And how did you do? Yeah. Like right out of the gate. All right. The first one. And so the, oh, this is what's really cool is the only two things that were left in that neighborhood that were the same as in the early forties, when the Nazis occupied Amsterdam, the only two things still existing there was the school and then across the street, the bookstore. So they actually did a, at the school, a big ceremony for the, I think it was 170 children that the Nazis had murdered from that school. And then after that ceremony, we went across the street and did the book release. So that was pretty awesome. What's the title of the book? The book is called Storming the Tulips. And it's been used as in the education arena as like a companion to Anne Frank's diary. So it's um it's been it's been a good a good resource for educators. So then get this this it gets better. Okay. So then the second book that I published, I know the second book that I published, we got back cover endorsements on that book from Sir Paul McCartney and Cindy Crawford. What? How? Like, okay. I know. There's got to be another chapter to this because like, okay, all right, there's a connection. There was a I'm connection like, with the material. And you know what? I've been in love with Paul McCartney my entire life. And we have the same birthday. <laughs> so I felt this, this cosmic connection with Paul McCartney anyway. So um, we were, uh, there was a problem though. We were getting a lot of manuscript submissions that had a seed of what we were looking for, material that would save lives or change lives or transform society. But they were so poorly written that we couldn't do anything with it. We couldn't edit our way out of it. So I took a step back. I didn't publish anything for a year. And during that time, I wrote a step-by-step-by-step-by-step process that would help people who aren't writers to become authors of high impact nonfiction books. And so that became the book professor wow. where we have, I have two book related businesses, the book professor where we help just everyday people to write high impact books. And then Stonebrook publishing is the publishing house where we actually publish our clients books, but we also publish a lot of other authors, nonfiction books. So I told you there was a story behind it. <laughs> you asked me a loaded question. You got a long answer. No, that's I love it. I mean, that's it. So do you find that that's an advantage for you? Because I, there's so many great stories mm -hmm. in the world of people that have done amazing things or overcome things. 
And if they're not, I guess to your point, if they're not a gifted writer or if they don't really know how to go about the process, that story doesn't get told. Jared, that's exactly right. And that's what was needling at me is that kind of even the, if you back up a few steps, the whole reason that I even wanted to start doing this is because we, (laughs) you don't have to look around very far to notice that we have a lot of problems in our world and it's even harder to name them, much less solve them. But I firmly believe that the answers are trapped inside of people like you and like your listeners. And that when you simply tell your story, what you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've developed, what processes you've created, that you become the source of two things that people can't live without. And those two things are hope and help. And I think that's, and we mainly work with, uh, entrepreneurs and business leaders and business owners. And, you know, I think that's what we're all doing in our businesses within our own confines of our skill set is offering people hope and help, you know, hope that they can get from where they are to where they want to be and help in doing that along the way. So, um, but just because you can't write, that doesn't mean you can't, you don't have a, a big something to offer others. So uh, that's what we're doing is we're helping those people to start, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a all in one thing. It's you start with your idea and we, we take you all the way through the published product. That's so cool. So I'm going to check on the, uh, the chicken skewers really quick. I mean, we could even help people like you, Jared. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, here we go. So I have... Let me get back on camera before I get railed here. So you could give us your flipping chicken stories and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that'd be a great band name, by the way, Jared and the Flipping Chickens. But um, so I mean, it's interesting you say that because I have a um, the kind of the genesis of this podcast was really started from you know I sold my business, um, your life changes. There's a lot going on, and the story of how I went from some schmuck in the woods of Northwest Florida, right into like building a tech company and, and all the stories that came about that. It's an interesting thing. And I didn't really know, I knew I wanted to sort of share that story. I didn't really know how. And so a podcast felt like the easiest thing for me to just start playing with to kind of get, I don't know, just get Mm. some, start getting out there. But there is a, I guess, you know, the story, you have to listen to every episode to really hear the whole story. And there's not, we haven't even covered probably 20% of it, right? Uh, but there's a linear story that I think would be really interesting to tell one day. And, but the idea of writing a book seems um, intimidating. Is it right? daunting? It's daunting. Yeah. Because I, yeah. man, I struggle to finish books, right? Reading them. I read a lot. Yeah. But do I make it through the, nah, not, I mean, probably once every, probably, eight books, I'll finish one, you know, the other seven, I kind of go and eh, put it away because either I'm not interested in it or something else shiny comes along, which is probably like a whole nother character flaw. But- shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's probably, and I think you're, you're not unusual at all. People, the reason people, I, well, they say like 85% of people have thought about writing a book. Hmm. And I think that the reason that they don't do it is that they don't know how. And when people sit down and just start writing, that is, you know, maybe it works for some people, but inevitably most people get all tangled up 
because they don't have a good structure for their book. They don't have something to follow where they can really target their message and, and tell it in a, you know, well, your book should do some things. It should not just educate and inform your audience, but also entertain them to keep them reading. So in our, the process that I um, mentioned earlier, where we do it step by step by step, we just take little chunks at a time. And then over time, at the, you know, you're building this body of work that really represents you and sounds like you. Mm. I mean, you, your voice as a writer, it needs to sound like you. And um, we just build upon that every week until the manuscript is finished. And it takes a year to write your book. I was just fixing to ask. So is it is it a year that normally, is that is that the right way to think about writing a book is about a year? Yeah. And let me tell you why. I mean, you've often heard these things. Oh, write your book in a weekend or in 30 days or <laughs> whatever. Probably a crappy book, right? If you write it in a weekend. Well, yeah. But here's the other thing is, you know, the way people change language and definitions. You know, some people say, oh, download my ebook off my website. And it's like a PDF paper that's three pages long. That's not a book. And it's not a book. Yeah. It's not a book. A book is, is a body of work that is well presented, well organized, and it leads you from point A to B to create some sort of a change in the reader. And um, it can come in ebooks or hardback or soft cover or audiobooks, but a book, there's a there's a definition for a book, and it's not a little downloadable thing off your website. But the reason it takes a year, it was twofold. Number one, we work with really busy professionals. And so each piece that you work on is chunked in a way that you can actually get it done in small bites. But the other reason is probably even more important, and it's this. It's that while you're working on your book, your book is working on you. Mm. And it has to have time to develop and become and gain its own energy. And stuff is going to come into your life that is relevant to your book during that period. It's like it just like attracts all these things that you need to include in it. And it's a pretty amazing process. So, and a year isn't very long. Actually, that year is going to pass anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, a year is, you just, a year is going to come and go whether you do it or not, right? Yes, exactly. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. And then I talk to them the next year and they're like, I wish I'd started last year because I would be finished. And I'm like, yeah, you, you would, but start now. So the, another year doesn't go by. <laughs> But your book should do three things for you, Jared. It really should. It should establish you as an expert. It should increase your credibility and help you to attract a following. But it's only going to do those three things if it's well done. And that starts with the writing, which is what I think we are very skilled at helping you do. How does that type of an arrangement work? And I'm going to stick a skewer in our skewer here. How does it, So if somebody works with you, is there just sort of like, is it a flat? sort of arrangement that they work with you on or do you put they they work with you monthly how does that go exactly actually it's really fun we the most popular way is to work with people in group masterminds and that would be a group that has anywhere from three to seven people in it seven is the max and we start off as a group and we're on a we're on a call on a zoom call the whole group 
once a week to talk about what you have worked on that week. So, but it, we start off with this series of foundational questions and they're questions like, why are you even doing this? What's your motivation? Who specifically is your audience? And how is that audience going to be changed as a result of taking in your message? So there's 12 of these questions and we end up taking the answers, Jared, and we distill them down into a purpose statement for your book. And the purpose statement simply says, the purpose of this book is to do this particular thing for this specific audience, period. And the value of that is that is how, what you use to prioritize what you put in your book. You can't put everything you know in your, in a book. It's just, it won't fit. And not only that, it wouldn't be very interesting (laughs) to other people. So we have to really target your message. And so when you're thinking about what you might want to put in your book, you measure it against that purpose statement. You think, well, does this really deliver the audience to realize the purpose And if yes, then it's in. And if it doesn't really do that, then you set it aside. You might surprise yourself and write more than one book. Hey, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, we do a lot. I mean, I'm on several of our authors were on their fourth and fifth book. So um, the other thing we do next, which is a unique approach, is that after we have that purpose statement, then we produce what I call, uh, I developed this process called book mapping. And a book map is a visual representation of everything that's going to be in your book. And so there's two types of book maps. One involves your own personal story, because you have to tell people like how you got to be in the position to be, you know, sharing this information with them. And people want to know you. I mean, more so than ever before, people can't learn from people who they don't know. Or maybe I should say they won't learn from people they don't know. So you need to ingratiate yourself with your audience. And so, you know, and that part of the the story usually ends up being the introduction to your book that introduces you like Jared, you would say high tech guy turned barbecue artist or (laughs) barbecue podcaster. Um, But, you know, I'll take that barbecue artist. Yeah. (laughs) So um, but the second book map is all of the information that's going to be in your chapters. And remember earlier I said you have to have a structure that you can follow to write and that your audience can also follow you. Right. And so we construct your chapters in problem solution sets. You name the problems that your clients are likely to have. And then through a very story-driven methodology, you present your solutions. So we're telling stories and stories and stories and stories. So you'll have one of these maps, which is kind of like a mind map for each chapter. And you know what's so brilliant about that is that when you sit down to write your book, everything is before you, every story you're going to tell, every object lesson, every point you're going to make, so that when you're writing, there is absolutely no chance of you getting writer's block. Because writer's block is just sitting there thinking, I don't know what to write, but you're going to know. And then you can just slide into execution mode and get your first draft done. So it's very iterative, iterative process. And then after, uh, you know, every week you'll be logging into the client portal on our website and you watch the video training and download the homework. And then 
that we're on this mastermind group once a week and everybody's talking about what they did that week. And the thing that the groups are really cool. I mean, I use, I work with people all over the world, not just in the U S and we tend to find out that somehow this, the groups congeal together in a unique way, but people are um, really open and vulnerable and they will not only comment and contribute to what you're doing, you'll receive their encouragement and their ideas on your work so that when you're finished, you're really confident about what you've done because it's already been vetted by, you know, a group of people who are definitely in your corner. What makes a good book, right? I mean, if you, if you sit down and is it, is it, do they have to have a great story? I mean, you've, you've sort of touched on this a little bit, but is it, does it have to have a great story or does it have to be, if, if somebody doesn't really have a great story, but they got a great point to get across, can you, can you make that a good book or do you always have to have a story? Well, I'm a big believer in storytelling and I'll tell you why. It, it's pretty much the only way we can learn and remember things. And so when we're working with authors, we tell them that we are aiming for the book split to be about 70% storytelling and about 30% just straight information. And well, like I said earlier, you have to not just inform and educate your reader, you have to entertain them because if they don't keep reading your book, they're never going to get to the purpose of the book. And so we teach you how to do all that. I mean, that's what one of my um, skills is, is having taught at the university level. We teach you how to write this compelling, creative nonfiction and I think that the the writers find that they enjoy storytelling more than they thought they would. And they're better at it than they think. You're going to surprise yourself. You're going to be really good at it. But um, storytelling and the structure of the book, I think, are the two things that make a good book. One of my favorite things to do when I'm on vacation is um, to find an independent bookstore. And I know yes. this is going to shock all my uh, listeners that know me as redneck barbecue podcast guy, but I love to go to independent bookstores and not that I don't like to go to Barnes and Noble and stuff like that. I mean, that's cool too. I've had some great like epiphany moments, uh, in Barnes and Noble and books of millions. <laughs> and, uh, one of my, one of my, one of my biggest moments was, um, was picking up a book, uh, by a guy named Frank McKinney that wrote this book. And it changed my life, right? I, and, and I was too broke to buy the book. I was buying coffee in there and I was flipping through it. So I've had some great moments. And, and I, I mean, I believe in people telling their story. That guy telling his story, you know, changed my life trajectory because I learned some lessons wow. that he had shared in his book. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I noticed, though, so when I go to a bookstore, I don't know what I'm looking at, right? So I'm kind of, you're, you're up and there's a big thing. And some bookstores will have... Uh, you know, little notes. I went to one in Charleston recently that had little notes all tucked in, tacked to little books. And they said, these are, you know, employees at work here read this book and they love this book because oh, cool. that was really cool. Right. Um, except that all the people that were writing those notes, their tastes were not my tastes. Right. So I was going to know these books or anything. But if I start picking things off of shelves, it is the cover and the title yep. that draws me in. Absolutely. Right? And, um, Finished a book a couple of months ago called um, How to Host a Viking Funeral. Um, and it's by Kyle Sheely, internet guy. 
and it was the 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 title was like hey you know and the yep. the picture was this big like weird looking paper viking ship and it was this whole story about how he you know had decided to as a big stunt build a paper a giant paper viking ship and fill it with people's writings of things that they regret and oh. burn it like you do a viking oh funeral right to burn their yeah, regrets yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was this incredible story about how he built this viking ship that he's putting all these notes of people's regrets inside right and and they are going to burn this ship um and this whole book it's very well structured. So I was thinking about this book when you were describing your process, because it's this crazy internet stunt that becomes this really meaningful discussion on regret. And he comes up with this thing called the unifying theory of regret. And he was, he, he read everything. He got just like thousands and thousands of, of people mailing him regrets and he started categorizing them. And he, and he talked about, regrets kind of fall into these different categories of people. It's just, it was just a profound book that came out of a really silly premise, but I would have never read that book. I, and Kyle Sheely is a great internet person. I with a huge multi millions of followers. I didn't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not super plugged into that world all the time. And so I didn't know who he was and I would have never picked that book up had there not been a really catchy title and a great picture. Well, you're singing my tune when you're talking about book covers and the title and the cover design is so important. I don't know why people say, don't judge a book by its cover. With books, you probably should. But And let me tell you a little bit about book titles. There's a little formula that we use when we're naming your book. And with nonfiction, you have a title and a subtitle. And so you kind of approach it like naming your baby. And your the title or the first name can be really creative and funky and really um, create a question in the reader's mind, like how to what was it how to have host a Viking funeral? Yep. Yeah, that makes you want to know more about it. But the last name or the subtitle really grounds it, and, and it talks about what the book is really about. And so um, titles are very important. We often don't even know what the title is until we're editing the finished product and something kind of jumps out as a phrase that's just very representative of what that book is. The cover, however, it is the cover art design is really important. It needs to be eye-catching. It needs to go with the title and it needs to invite the reader in and, and, when you, especially like when you're in a bookstore like Barnes and Noble, oh my gosh, it's huge. And you see all these book covers and, you know, the colors and the designer will attract you or not. And we put a lot of, in our publishing house, Stonebrook Publishing, we have a whole team of incredible designers who, with it for every book, we have original cover designs. In fact, we give you four original cover designs to choose from. And um, I'm, I'm really proud of what our design teams do. Mm. Oh, I was going to say, I just want to give you another pat on the back because you talked about going to independent bookstores. And I love it that you are supporting those. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but all these big box stores are disappearing. And the independent bookstores are flourishing again. And if you, they're so good, you know, they really know what's in their stores. So they are good at making recommendations yeah. and yep. pointing you towards something that you would enjoy. 
Well, there's something romantic about going into a independent bookstore that's been around a while. So one, one that I go to a lot, there's, um, I like to vacation down on the coast and the beach. Everybody in the South kind of goes down to the beach, right? And the Gulf coast. And so there's a little town called Seaside in Florida and it's a gorgeous place. And it's actually where they shot, uh, the Jim Carrey movie, the Truman show. So like that, like idyllic city that he oh. was in is Seaside. And, um, in Seaside is this bookstore shout out to Sunco. I think it's Sundog books, right? I think that's what it's called. I don't, it's funny because I don't even know the name of the bookstore right off the top of my head, but I know it by the back of my hand. Like I walk in there and know how the place yeah, is laid yeah, out, yeah. but it's such a cool vibe because you walk in, they've got coffee, there's just stacks of books everywhere. And I found, I found the Viking funeral book in that bookstore. Um, mm. you, when you can just sort of mosey in, grab a coffee, meander around and it's like, it's comfortable, right? It's comfortable. Yeah. And it's like, it's speaking to you and mm -hmm. you find a book and you go, Oh wow. Okay. Whereas I go into a Barnes and Noble and it's look, no, no offense to the big box stores. They've had, they have their place too, but like there's just titles of books jumping. It's out like an onslaught all... of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything. There's book and every there's big Oprah and all this. You're kind of like, okay, yeah, Oprah's got a book. Right. And you know, listen, if Oprah wants to come on the show, you can come talk about your book anytime. But I, <laughs> I love going into independent stores because you, you, you bump into things and it's usually because they allow the people that are working there to sort of curate and put some things out that they think is, is really cool. Um, I don't know. I just, mm -hmm. I just really like that. And, and for me, I'm super busy. So the, one of the ways that I have to read books is I always, I will buy the physical book and I will read through some of it, but I will also buy the audio book, um, which is bougie to buy a book twice. Right. Oh, I do that too. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, so I will listen to probably 80% of it, but that's how I figured out I can consume more information is if I listen to books and then thumb through it. And then I like to kind of have the book as a trophy, you know, to put on my shelf. I uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Because it reminds me of stuff. Yeah. To show people that you're really literate, right? <laughs> right. Look at look at all these very what is it? <laughs> these leather bound books, right? Um, look at all the books behind you, though. So you've got if you're if you're watching along uh, on Facebook or on YouTube, you've got a bunch of books behind you. Are these all books that you like or work on? Or how, tell me about that. Okay, so every time we release a new book, I. I treat myself to a little metal print of its cover. Oh, and so cool. that's how my whole, all the walls in my office are all book covers. So how about that? Yeah. It's like walking in a recording studio with all your records, you know, like on exactly, the wall. exactly. Yes. At least well, I, at least I can walk in here and show that I've done something with my life. <laughs> Look at all these books behind you though. You like that's that. So all of those are books you've done or been a part of. Oh yeah. Okay. That we've published. Yes. That we've helped write and publish. Wow. Yeah. This is like literary Motown over here, right? She's kicking out the hits. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I was going to say, I have to think that, that people in your audience are, are maybe their interest is peaked a little bit about how they might be able to write a book. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would hope, and now they know they go to bookprofessor.com if they want to have a, a book writing Sherpa, right? Exactly. Well, and I, and you too, because I think that, you know, you talked about how you originally wanted to write a book, but you decided to do the podcast first. And one of the things that I haven't shared yet is remember how I told you that the chapters, and what is a chapter? A chapter is just a container for like information, 
So all the information in the chapter that you're going to write has to do with a problem and a solution. And the way that structure works is so beneficial to the author because at the end, you should be able to take every chapter of your book and repurpose that material for other revenue producing products. So if you want to do keynote speeches or seminars or workshops or online courses or video training or even podcasts, we've had a number of our authors start podcasts from their book material. And um, it just gives you the opportunity because you know everybody's not going to read a book, but they're still in your audience and your target market. So we want to meet the market where they're already engaged. And you have the opportunity to do that by using your book as the the initial product that you release. And then it, it, it extends your brand through all sorts of different uh, platforms. I mean, now you're speaking my language for sure. I mean, why do something? Why not do something once and then keep reusing it and reusing it and reusing it and reusing it? If you're telling a story that has great lessons, there should be lots of things you can do with it. But as you, mm-hmm. as, as with anything in the world, it's only as good as your ability to get people to notice it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you, is there a secret to book promotion now? Is there a, what, what, because that's, I guess my fear oh, of writing a book. <laughs> I wish that uh, your reaction is like, Oh shit. Okay. So the, the fear I would have of writing a book would be, yeah, the fear I would have is like you 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 write the book and then it's like a fart in the forest, right? I mean, it's like nobody hears it, nobody knows, you know? It's like a how do you so how do you get noticed? I I'm I'm hearing from you that there obviously isn't a formula. What are if what do you tell people to do to get it noticed? Well, first of all, we know who your target audience is because we've already uh figured that out in your purpose statement. So we introduce you to uh, some ways to target that audience. But as a company, um, we aren't, we don't focus on book marketing. We focus on book creation and I have outstanding partners in our industry who are marketers and they focus on book marketing and depending on what you want to do. Of course, we set the goals for your book in the beginning. If you're a business person, you might want to, use your book as a way, as a magnet for gaining more clients and, uh, or to get speaking engagements. What, uh, whatever your goals are, we match you up with one of our partners who will take you through that process. And one of the things that's become extremely popular now is being a guest on different podcasts, which is how I met you, Jared. That's right. And whenever you're marketing something, you need to get outside of the circle that you already operate in. And by doing something like being guests on different podcasts that relate to your material, you get introduced to their circle of influence. And that way your message can proliferate. But that's one of the beauties of being able to use your, uh, your, book material to create other products is that it extends your brand out so that more people have the ability to learn from you. I like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've got to get better about popping on other people's podcasts too. I'm actually going to start doing that, uh, 
you know, in the next month or so, I'm going to actually start good popping up on other people's podcasts because that's what, you know, my producers keep saying like, Hey, that's, that's the way to do it. Right. And look at you, like now you're mm. going to tap into my audience and, and, uh, and hopefully anybody out there that's been writing a book or wants to write a book will know how to get in touch with you now. Um, I think, by the way, I, I stuck our little thir- promo therb in promo therb. What the hell is that? I a thermometer. Thermometer. Um, yeah, there we go. And I think we're, I think we're just about done here. Oh, this. look at that! So I'm going to flip that looks great. over. So yeah, if people want to get hold of me, Jared, they can just go to thebookprofessor.com. We are uh, are developing a new uh, cohort for the book writing mastermind right now. And all you need to do is go to thebookprofessor.com. And there's a link across the top that says schedule a call with Nancy and just click on that. That'll take you to my calendar. And I I love chatting about book ideas. If you're just thinking about it, you know, there's no obligation at all. I would never try to talk somebody into it, but I, I, I'd love to hear about what your ideas are and we can kind of kick that around a little bit and and see if you might like to be in our next cohort of book writers. I think that sounds like if somebody, why would you not say yes to that? If you were ever interested in writing a book, uh, just an exploratory process like that. Um, speaking of exploratory process, I'm about to explore these chicken skewers. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do any cooking in your backyard, Nancy? Or do you ever do any, you do any grilling? Oh that's, my gosh. the thing you do. Well, my husband has a big green egg, which is this massive, ridiculous, it looks like a big giant hand grenade. Yeah. And he smokes things on there that I got to tell you what, we are ruined. We can't go to restaurants anymore (laughs) because his food is so much better. Kind of like that. That looks fabulous, except for the jalapenos. I wouldn't wouldn't eat your jalapenos. I can't do that hot, spicy, but I, I like the looks of the other skewers. Well, that's awesome. Well, Nancy, I'm so I'm so happy to have had you here. Thank you so much for sharing your story, but also like your process. I hope there's some people out there that are hearing this, that if you've got a story to tell, um, I hope you tell it. And whether you pick a podcast or you pick a book, if you pick a book, you should reach out to Nancy. Um, I think people, nothing inspires me more than stories of other people and real um Nonfiction is is my jam, right? I can't I can't do fiction books. I don't know why. I, I can watch a movie, I can watch a, a, sh- a fiction show, but I can't do fiction books. Like I don't I don't know why. Just just a block, but nonfiction for sure. Um, and I hope more people plug into uh, what you're talking about and tell their stories because I think the world's better off when people share their knowledge. Mm. If you like this episode, please go and like the show, subscribe, uh, go check us out on TikTok and Instagram. We're 20 plus thousand followers strong on those platforms and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jared.